When asked, what is Judaism's singular gift to the world, the answer is often monotheism. Surrounded in the ancient world with thousands of years of idol worship, the Israelites distinguished themselves with the first of the Ten Commandments. You shall have no other gods beside me. With as many challenges that come with following idols, the God of the Hebrew Bible represents plenty of its own challenges. It begins with the first follower of the one God in heaven and earth, our patriarch Abraham. The signature of Torah and the Jewish people is in questions even while introducing and promoting monotheism, we are questioning this omnipotent God. That is arguably why the authors of Torah have God choose Abraham as the first Jew. When God lets Abraham know that God is about to destroy the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, and all of their inhabitants, Abraham boldly steps up to God and asks, How shofet kol haaretz lo yase mishpat? Should not the judge of all the earth do justly? So if we are meant to ask questions, let me set up what is arguably the greatest and most enduring theological question of all time. So here's the scene from this week's Torah portion. Moses and Aaron are beginning their divinely commissioned standoff with Pharaoh, trying to break Pharaoh to make him cry uncle and let the Israelites go free from Egyptian bondage. After each of the first Five plagues, you know them, dam, blood, tzephardea, frogs, kinim, lice, arov, wild beast, and dever, pestilence. After each of these plagues, the text says, Vechazak lev paro. Pharaoh hardened his own heart as a consequence of Pharaoh's hardened heart, he does not heed Moses and Aaron's demand from God to let my people go. Pharaoh is not budging yet. Then, something different happens. After each of the next five plagues, the text reads, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and, as a consequence, would not let the Israelites go free. What's common after each plague is Pharaoh's heart is hardened. In the first five plagues, Pharaoh hardens his own heart. And in the next five plagues, the Hebrew is clear 
It is God who hardens Pharaoh's heart. So herein lies the theological question. Do human beings have free will or does God function as a puppeteer controlling all of our movements and decisions? In the context of our Exodus story, it raises an additional problem. If the plagues are meant to dissuade Pharaoh from further enslaving the Israelites, and God is hardening Pharaoh's heart against doing so, it seems like Pharaoh is being unjustly punished. Either he's making his own decisions, or he's not. So Jews over the centuries to our day have tried to interpret the meaning of God hardening Pharaoh's heart, seemingly against Pharaoh's free will. On one hand, it is argued that some human beings are so wicked, Pharaoh and Haman, get your groggers ready, serving as the paradigmatic biblical face of evil, that evil, so evil, that God hardens their hearts, disqualifies them from being able to seek repentance and turning from their evil ways. There are some human beings so wicked, we too might agree that there should be no opportunity to change their evil ways. They've gone way beyond the point of no return. Teshuva is no longer available. And on the other hand, we see the opposite interpretation. God's hardening Pharaoh's heart was really strengthening his heart. So after the first five plagues, Pharaoh would have greater capacity for compassion and remorse. The Talmudic rabbis offer two simple illustrations that can be used to help us understand the nature of an evil inclination and how Pharaoh remained in control of his decision-making. Rabbi Akiva observes that at first, the evil impulse is as thin as a spider's web, but in the end, it is as thick as a cart rope. And Rabbi Isaac adds, at first sin is like a passing visitor, then like a guest who stays longer, and finally, it becomes the master of the house. These illustrations are given not to argue that God literally intervenes in our lives and selectively removes our free will. Our biblical narratives 
surely invites us to explore and open ourselves to God in our lives in the infinite way we can experience the divine. Yet, never to remove the choices we make in our lives. In this way, the condition of our hearts, and I'm not speaking as a cardiologist, but as a rabbi, the condition of our hearts has everything to do with how we act in the world. As the psychologist Eric Frum wrote, every evil act tends to harden a man's heart, that is, to deaden it. And every good deed tends to soften it, that is, to make it more alive. Yes, there are some evildoers in the world for whom the door of repentance is closed. They are no longer the master of their own home. Thankfully, those people are the exception. And then there are the rest of us whose evil impulse has been at one point or another like a passing visitor but we don't allow that visitor to stay for long. The door of repentance is open for us, and we do the hard work of teshuva, moving us to soften our hearts. The book of Exodus is quite clear, quite clear in the ways that we both harden and soften our hearts. Pharaoh uses words to stoke fear of the Israelites. The Israelites to Pharaoh represent the other. We are foreigners. We look different, pray differently. Fear drives Pharaoh to enslave us, blinded even to his own self-interest. He orders Infant Hebrew boys to be killed. Pharaoh's evil impulse is the cart rope, the master of his house. And whose biblical hearts are soft? The midwives, Shifra and Pua, who defy Pharaoh's edict at the risk of their own lives, to save the lives of the Hebrew boys at their childbirth. It's Moses' sister Miriam who kept her eye on her baby brother floating in a teva, in a basket, floating down the Nile River with the hope that his life would be saved. And it's the unnamed Pharaoh's daughter who pulls Moses from the water, actually gives him his name, Moshe, saves him to be raised in Egyptian royalty in the palace. Jewish tradition bestows upon Pharaoh's daughter the esteemed name Batya, literally, 
daughter of God. A daughter of God has a beating, soft heart. Most of us control the state of our hearts. Fear and hate hardens. Empathy and love softens. The state of our hearts is for sure a lifetime project. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., his life, we know, was taken from him by a hardened heart of hatred emboldened by systemic racism. Though his life would be a mere 39 years, two months, and 20 days, the legacy of his heart, his courage, his words, live on in each of us. Dr. King, a pastor, a preacher, a man whose every step was strengthened by God, understood that how we live in the world either glorifies God's name or desecrates God's name. Dr. King taught us in his words, hatred paralyzes, love releases it. Hatred confuses life, love harmonizes it. Hatred darkens life, love illuminates. Hatred hardens the heart, love softens the heart. So now, my friends, let us turn our thoughts tonight to Martin Luther King. Through our cantorial soloist, Todd Herzog, in the name of James Taylor, channeling Dr. King's legacy, though the body sleeps, the heart will never rest. Let us turn our thoughts tonight to Martin Luther King and recognize and recognize that there are ties between us, all men and women living on the earth, ties of hope and love, sister and brotherhood. There is a feeling like the clenching of a fist There is a hunger in the center of the chest There is a passage through the darkness of the mist And though the body sleeps, the heart will never rest Oh, let us turn our thoughts today to Martin Luther King and recognize that there are ties between us all men and women living on the earth ties of hope and love of, of sister and brotherhood 